You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Would you build a house without a foundation? Would you have a child and not name it? Would you let a stranger squat on your property? No, of course not. So why should the Internet be any different? Every week, speak with top domain experts. Learn how to make money with domains. Know your legal rights. Each week, join our expert host to be master of your domain. Right here on Domain Masters. Hello, hello. Welcome to Domain Masters. Another week, week after SES. Uh, Hopefully everybody enjoyed the show last week, live from SES. Had the pleasure of uh, having uh, Oil Man and Dax on and... uh, uh, Danny Sullivan uh, from from uh, SES, and it was a great show. I'm pretty excited about tonight's show as well. As I mentioned last week, uh, we are going to focus the entire show on the domain banking and acquisition side, uh, portfolio acquisition side of the of the market. I had the pleasure of hearing both Ari Bain uh, from Millbank Roy and Douglas Burke from Page Mill Partners uh, speak at the traffic conference in uh, Silicon Valley. Both have a very good understanding of the domain market and uh, what's required, both if you're buyers and sellers, uh, and how the banking and finance world are looking at these types of transactions these days. I'm going to have them both on at the same time. I think it's going to be a great uh, counterbalancing between both uh, both organizations and both gentlemen. They're both great guys. Uh, I had the pleasure to meet both of them um, personally and discuss uh, not only uh, what my show's about, but uh, what the mission of everybody that's listening um, is, and that is to, of course, learn um, how to be successful on the web with your domain names, and uh, I think it's going to be a great show. So um, we're going to do a few commercials, uh, get those guys on the phone, and have a power hour around domain banking and acquisitions. Uh, so stay tuned. You're just minutes away from more Domain Masters. Be master of your domain. Stay tuned.
all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes, ClickTracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what ClickTracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. It's Etsy Guru's Rainmaker. She's being a real wise ass over there. I am not. And his beautiful co-host, Brandy. I always wanted to be the girl that said, I just absolutely forgot to eat. I don't know what happened to me. Rainmaker. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Now, here's your host. Yes. Hey, Ari. I uh, got Doug on? Yes. Hey, great. All right, let me do a quick introduction, guys. Um, um, as I suggested right before we went to break, um, my guests tonight are Douglas Burke from Page Mill Partners. Um, uh, Doug serves as managing director and head of the software and services practice at Page Mill Partners, where he is responsible for providing strategic merger and acquisition advice to clients. Doug has particular expertise in working with clients in the infrastructure software, security, network, and systems management software 
internet-based and online businesses, technology-enabled businesses, and service companies. During his career, Doug has closed over 65 transactions with an aggregate transaction value in excess of $1 billion. Uh, As I mentioned, he most recently spoke at the traffic conference and uh, had a very good uh, opinion about what's going on in our space, which is the domain space, and uh, we're going to have him on in just a second. Um, Also with me is Ari Bain, who serves as Vice President at Millbank Roy, a New York-based investment bank where he specializes in direct navigation, domain portfolios, and Internet marketing and infrastructure technologies. Mr. Bame has served as a lead banker on a number of direct navigation transactions, including the reported $80 million sale of buy domains, uh, now known as YesDirect, to Highland Capital and Summit Partners, and the $20 million sale of ClickDario uh, Network, a Spanish-language advertising network. And we had uh, Matias on uh, from uh, ClickDario, um, I guess it was about four or five months back. So, guys, welcome to Domain Masters. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great. thank you, Mondi. Great. And I thought it would be a great idea to have you both on tonight because um, both of you spoke at Traffic, and you have a, a couple different approaches about what's going on in our space. And uh, I'm real excited to, to spend the next 45, 50 minutes uh, going over what each of you guys do and uh, and how you came in to be in this particular space, which is the domain market, um, as um, – you know, as most of us uh, who are listening have been in the market now since the mid to late 90s and on, um, a lot of the banking world hasn't got into this uh, business or have, have, haven't have had any information about it until just recently. Ari, why don't you give us a little bit, bit of back, background about Millbank Roy and um, what's going on on the uh, direct navigation side in your business? Uh, well, you know, Millbank Roy is a New York-based investment bank uh, with an international focus. And What we've found is that while the industry overall, most of the larger Fortune 500 and specifically the large media companies don't quite understand uh, direct navigation, there are a lot, you know, in every country there's probably one or two companies that understand the value that it brings to the table. And, you know, I think our focus has been in introducing portfolio owners to what we consider some of the smarter players in this company, companies like United Internet and Germany, Marshex in the States, uh, some of the more interesting companies out of Japan, such as Rakuten, um, and really working with people that we feel go beyond simply just parking their domain names, but have done intelligent uh, methodologies for maximizing the value that they receive per click. Great. Great. And, uh, Doug, why don't you give us a little, ba- a little bit other background about uh, PageMill and its role in the domain space these days. Sure. We are a 20-person technology-focused uh, mergers and acquisition and private placement investment banking boutique located in Palo Alto with uh, three West Coast offices, Seattle, Palo Alto, and Santa Monica. Um, last year, we helped raise $25 million uh, for shop.com uh, and co-invested in that transaction ourselves. Uh, along with the folks at Internet Real Estate Group, and we also sold blog lines to Ask Jeeves in a fairly heated um, auction process. Great, great. Well, it's a pleasure to have you both on. I wanted to, to take um, you know take a next step forward from uh, from traffic, and many of the folks that are listening weren't weren't in attendance in traffic, and some were, but. Um, both of you have a pretty good idea of what's going on in our space these days, and uh, and both of you had very dynamic uh, presentations um, at Traffic about how your side of the world is looking at our side. And I wanted to get your guys' perspective about um, what we should be thinking about as domainers, um, positioning our portfolios for sale, and also as domainers buying portfolios from both sides, and um, where we should or should not use um, someone 
or, or, or organizations like yourselves uh, to, to assist in that process or, you know, how we get ourselves prepared. Ari, why don't you walk us through a little bit of the process since you were involved in um, the uh, by domains acquisition and also Clickdaria, which also contained, you know, several thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of domain names between uh, both transactions. But certainly. Um, the biggest trend that I see in the direct navigation world is that the branding segment of the advertising world is finally discovering the value of generic domain names. And so as a domain portfolio owner, you need to do a careful analysis of domains that you own that generate PPC income but are not you know, strong generics that have a branding value and segregate those from those generics that do. So just to use an example, um, and I don't know who owns this, this is just a generic example. You know, if you owned, you know, like New York office supplies um, that was getting a lot of PPC traffic, um, that would be something sold on a PPC multiple. But for example, if you owned paperclips.com, if you're not already receiving offers from you know, a major office supplies company, uh, you probably will be soon. And the valuations for you know, on PPC income portfolios, uh, there's not such a wide divergence um, yet. But for you know, branding dollars, um, these are the same people you know, that spend millions of dollars on a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, the sky is the limit. Right. Uh, your ability to accurately explain how many Know, consumers, this would drive to a you know particular industry uh, becomes very valuable, and you can look for valuations far in excess than what you would if you simply sold it as a PPC income. Right, right. Um, now, many of us um, you know look at our PPC income. You know, if you're a domainer, as the you know the baseline or the bottom line. Um, value of a domain name. I mean, it should never be worth less than that because of the PPC in- income. Sure. Doug, Doug, walk us through some of the evaluation myths that are going on in the marketplace. Um, since uh, MarchX uh, took out the ultimate search inventory at, uh, you know, seven and a half to eight and a half times revenue based off of PPC income, what really should people be looking at both as buyers and sellers in this space? And, um, you know, what are you seeing as the current trends and future trends in that particular marketplace? Well, there's no question that multiples of EBITDA are what are driving Marchex on their acquisition, and they're not interested in buying um, everything that's out there, which um, I think created some of the heat of the notion that there's um, a bubble in this marketplace, perhaps. Uh, the other driver has been the emergence of private equity, um, such as Summit and um, Highland getting involved in, in the deal that Ari referred to, the buy-domains transaction. So we're seeing capital come to this marketplace from third-party sources that's valuing companies on traditional metrics, which are uh, traditionally EBITDA-based. So it's and in and, and most domain owners' cases, the uh, actual overhead to run these kind of operations is fairly low. So um, certainly PPC as a baseline is not even realistic multiple, but when you look at stuff trading at 7 to 8, perhaps even as high as 10 times EBITDA, that starts to get people excited about exit scenarios. Where we see transactions occurring are around um, strong groups of vertical names, if you have a strong uh, name in a high PPC category like, say, mortgages or uh, financial services, that's fairly attractive, or around geography-based models like uh, local search-driven type models. Right, right. So, so what are, it's apparent that people are paying all over the board. I mean, what are you guys seeing uh, as people paying for 
um, for these types of portfolios. And I know it. I know that we're hearing the EBITDA-based uh, you know scenario, and then the multiple times you know the earnings based off of the PPC revenue, which is which is really kind of EBITDA-based as well. Um, but why is there such a why is there such a dis- divergence and um, um, you know uh, a variance in what's being paid for? Brand names versus non-brand names, generics, mistypes, misspells, um, even misspells of, of of even you know famous brands. Give us an idea how you guys from your, both of your organizations look at this. Um, you know, from your perspective, how do you evaluate each portfolio differently? Because some of the you know some of the folks have combinations of inventories. Some of them have pure clean type in traffic inventories. Some of them have you know pure type in or you know typo type tr- uh, portfolios, and they're all valued very differently. Even though they all earn lots of money. Um, Ari, why don't you start? Certainly. Um, when we look at portfolios, uh, the first thing we do is segregate the. Brand, you know, the names that we feel have branding value from the straight PPC names. Um, and the reason for this is, you know, if a company recognizes the value of owning a domain such as, you know, a loans.com or 401k, which is owned by Fidelity, um, their budget is stratospheric. And, it, you know, there are formulas that we have in which we can just draw a multiple to the number of visitors to the site and how that might convert uh, versus their traditional advertising buys. But these are very high numbers that are well beyond multiples of either PPC income or EBITDA. When we look at the portfolios themselves, um, I think Doug and I are almost in agreement that you know, EBITDA and PPC income, um, EBITDA is you know, the profits you know, PPC income is just income, but there should not be a lot of overhead in running a domain portfolio, so there shouldn't be such a divergence. So in most cases, 10 times PPC income should really equal out to about 8 times EBITDA uh, within a certain range. Uh, we Anything that is gambling-related, um, we advise sellers that if it's a U.S. buyer, they're not going to be able to calculate that into revenue. Uh, and then we again follow the methodology of segregating into categories, and we look at if there are, as Doug, for example, pointed out, you know, large numbers of domains around certain high-paying categories, such as mortgages or insurance or cars. We'll segregate that out as well because a larger organization will be able to drive a higher revenue split. And based on that, we feel that we can in turn charge a higher valuation. If it's a large collection of very random, you know, hundreds of thousands of zero to low traffic um, domain names, the valuation is being much lower because, you know, there is the offset of actually maintaining all these domains at six dollars per domain per year. Doug, what's your what's your perspective on this? Yeah, I think we would do a very similar analysis. I would add that uh, we would discount heavily things like typos and broken links and names that we perceive to have um, trademark issues that are going to be problematic for an acquirer. And then the next step, once you've gone through that initial exercise, which is not a trivial exercise, is to make an assessment about whether or not you can maximize your value by selling off those branded sites to a brand-oriented acquirer as opposed to um, a domain portfolio acquirer per, per se. 
who might be interested uh, in just the PPC names. Right. Now, now, when we talk about discounting on typos, what what kind of discount factor do you guys use on that? I mean, if you're give give me an example of premium um, ROI or you know uh, X factors versus you know typo X factors. What what's the variance? Just so we get it straight for for everybody, so they know the difference if they're looking at their portfolio, how they can look at it. Um, well, certain buyers would have absolutely no interest in in typos. Um, so what you've effectively done is you've narrowed the number of buyers that, that are willing to take that kind of property on, and um, therefore the multiple uh, of the PPC traffic is reduced uh, as much as you know, 50 to 90 percent, depending upon the trademark issues around that type of traffic. Right. You feel the same way? Uh, um, um, sorry. Um, it, if it's a true trademark issue... Um, like Google with 1.0 or something of that nature, and it's on a case-by-case basis, we would say that discounting has to be 50% to 100%. But if it's you know a common misspelling that has no trademark issues whatsoever, I, you know, I would say the discount would only be about 15%. Okay, um, about 15%. Yeah, I mean, if it's a true misspelling that people make all the time and you can show over a period of time that this is consistent... Um, then that's consistent with direct navigation, and it's not unexpected at all. Right, right, and and there are there are classifications of misspells. What we consider a misspell in the English language might be proper spelling, and uh, in the British version or the you know the the Britain version of our language, uh, uh, I guess some of the examples are you know the Z's and the S's in the in the words that contain both of those words, uh, like enterprise and things like that, where they they spell. Of things with different s, you know, with different uh, vowels and letters than we do, um, which aren't considered really mistypes, but um, it, it is something that comes up from time to time. Um, if you're a portfolio owner and you want to prepare yourself for a sale, uh, what are the you know two or three or four or five major things that you should be doing um, to get yourself ready for a sale? Um, Doug, why don't you take a stab at it first? Well, I think the first thing is to assemble the data in and around your names. That is, uh, make sure that you've got the historical tra- uh, um, results for your PPC traffic and, and organized in a very presentable fashion. Go through the same exercise that Arian and I described of segregating out the names and and spend some time thinking about, um, in the cases of these verticals, um, where you might be able to go with them to a um, strategically oriented acquirer yourself. Hire uh, a good accountant to make sure your books and records are clean because um, certainly the public company buyers like Marchex and perhaps others that might go public are not going to um, want to deal with something that doesn't have clean books and, and records and get yourself a good uh, corporate securities attorney to help you paper the transaction. Uh, uh, Ari, what's, uh, what's your take on that? The one thing I would terrific advice, one thing I would add is to make sure you know what the historical cost of every single one of your domains was um, and have documented proof of that. Um, because that will come back to haunt you if you don't have accurate data, uh, and you will pay a lot more in taxes than if you otherwise, and if you did have that data. So, so it's important that whether you bought your domain name in the aftermarket versus registered from scratch to document what you actually acquired the domain name for. What you acquired it for and the exact date or the approximate date that you acquired it. 
Um, you don't want to be in a situation where you're paying ordinary income on the sale of domains that should norm normally be accounted as you know capital gains. Um, in New York, that difference with state and federal at the state and federal level is approximately 15% more that you would be paying in taxes than if you did not go through this exercise. Right, right. So why don't we roll right into this? The, the, I guess this also depends on how we're how we're structured corporately, and we've covered this issue on the show quite a bit. But you guys are also experts in this area as well. But you know, everybody asks, um, should they be you know um, incorporated as an S corp, a C corp, an LLC, an offshore, um, you know, trust? Um, give us your perspective about that for the best um, you know tax um, deferment or the best uh, tax advantages from from a standpoint of reselling your portfolio. Oh, Doug, do you want to go first? Or no, you go like ahead, Ari. Um, if you are the sole owner, or if it's you, know, you and your wife or just one other partner, um, there is no reason to consider a C-Corp. A C-Corp really exists for situations where you want to give out equity to you know, a number of other people. So you want to have like you know, five or ten shareholders uh, or if you're raising money in a new venture, a C-Corp is a good way to go. Um, but if it's just yourself as a sole proprietor or perhaps one other person, you are much better off with an S-Corp or an LLC because you avoid the double taxation. And just to simplify that, by that I mean in a C-Corp, the revenue, the profits of the company are taxed, and then the amounts that, as an owner, you take as salary are also taxed. Whereas an S-Corp or an LLC, it's a simplification but you're taxed at a personal rate, which is lower than the federal corporate rate, and you're only taxed once. There are perhaps some benefits if you are willing to comply to moving your company offshore from a reduction of the tax rate. I completely agree with what Ari said, either S-Corp or LLC, unless you are intending to try to raise capital and or uh, spread the stock ownership to a wider um, shareholder base. Right. Now, I've heard varying opinions uh, about being located offshore, especially in the case of a resale. Um, lo- being located offshore can, some- can sometimes be complicated if there's a U.S. buyer involved and wants to purchase a property offshore. Is that is that a myth or a fallacy, or is that is there some tr- tr- some truth behind that? Uh, in my experience, you know, it's a myth that the buyer will have a problem. It's you know where it comes from is that the seller may have problems recognizing some of you know, repatriating the proceeds of that sale. Um, there are a lot of people that claim to be in the offshore game. If you type into Google, you know, offshore banking or offshore assets, you know, there's numerous links come up. Ninety percent of those people are not people you should trust. Um, and, you know, it's. I, I agree with what I already said. The buyers don't care that much about it. it. There's some increased legal complexity, but they're used to dealing with that from a portfolio acquisition standpoint. And it's really a personal issue about your your desire to repatriate capital if you want to live in, in a certain country. Right, right. Okay, well, what we're going to do is, if um, if you guys don't mind, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and uh, we're going to come back on and then find out exactly what, an investment baker really does um, in this particular case. You know how you can assist uh, both your organization consist on both sides of this uh, of this situation. You know of the of the opportunity of buying and selling a portfolio, 
and uh, whether folks should be selling now. There's a big, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of controversy out there. Is you know, are we at the? Is there going to be another bubble? Are we at the high or the low of the industry right now? Are are we immune for to what happened in the bust of uh, you know of 2000 and and uh, what we should do to prepare ourselves for that? So uh, we'd like to open up uh, some discussion around those points from your guys' perspective and your experience, and uh, we'll be on in a couple ba- couple minutes. Stay tuned. You're just minutes away from more Domain Masters. Be master of your domain. Stay tuned. Then just kicking ass with domain name. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty, Monty, Monty. And uh, what, what, uh, what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately $144,000. About one hundred fifty grand. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by rent.com and shopping.com for a combined $1.4 billion. Monty, 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 Monty. Monty, 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 the master of your domain. Monty, literally probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had, $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your domain. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com, the ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI, exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock sun on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com, the secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. Domain Masters. Now, here's your host. All right, welcome back to Domain Masters. Uh, again, my special guests are Ari Bame from uh, Millbank Roy and uh, Douglas Burke from Page Mill Partners. Uh, we're discussing uh, domain names and uh, portfolio acquisitions and sales and the different uh, 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 the different uh, um, roles that. Bankers and investment bankers play in these uh, in these transactions. Um, now, moving on to 
um, what exactly an investment banker does. Um, you know, there's lots of uh, lots of uh, discussion about what role when you should engage an investment banker, both to help represent you as a buyer and also um, you know as a seller of uh, transactions like this. Can you both give us a background about um, you know what roles uh, organizations like yours play in these types of transactions on both sides of the coin? Uh, Ari, why don't you start first? Um, probably the first role I play as an investment banker in these specific sorts of transactions is diffusing the Tower of Babel and making sure that everybody on both sides of the tables know precisely what sort of metrics are being used. So to make sure, you know, if there's a question of, you know, what's the number of uniques per month everyone is measuring in the same exact manner. And this way we can create, you know, it smooths the discussion so we all know what we're talking about. Uh, the second thing in the transaction that we do is to make sure that the greatest number of interested parties are brought to the table for a buyer. So you know, most people that own portfolios have been approached by one or two people at some point in time. We make sure that you know, a larger number of buyers are brought to the table simultaneously to extract the maximum valuation for the seller. Uh, as a buyer, you know, we're working buy portfolios, we're making sure that we're buying the proper sort of portfolios that don't have illegal domains, don't have questionable domains, um, and are really things that can be monetized properly. Uh, the third area where we're doing more work is in the sort of joint development of domain owners with website developers and creating structures that protect the domain portfolio owner from a development deal that goes wrong. Insulating the domain name itself from a site that may or may not take off, but at the same time giving the domain owner enough protection to, or enough upside involvement where if the website does do well, he receives a large amount of profits. Doug, uh, anything you'd like to add there? Yeah, um, we're strictly a sell-side representation firm, so we, we don't really get involved on um, the acquisition of portfolios from the buy side. And um, we do a lot of work in preparing the company to go to the marketplace, this analysis up front on understanding the values of the portfolio and what directions it possibly can go in, and discussing um, different strategies in terms of maybe breaking the portfolio into separate parts, especially the brandable portfolio. And then we're far more interested in the joint development scenario where you've got brandable sites and you've been wondering what to do with them and how to, how to make them happen happen as a real viable business model underlying, which is a, is a changes the dynamic of being a, a domain owner into being more of a business operator. And um, especially if a large company has, or a uh, entrepreneurial company has approached you uh, regarding your uh, brand bold domain, uh, we are interested in getting involved in helping raise the capital and execute those strategies like we did in shop.com. Now, um, you know, one of the big questions is, you know, to, to, to engage with an investment banker like yourselves, what are the costs that are involved? Is, are there any upfront fees? Are you working strictly off the potential sale of the, of the portfolio? How are the percentages broke down? You know, break down? Um, um, Doug, perhaps you can walk us through how your structure works with your organization. Sure. We have a very simple pricing model. We charge a $35,000 retainer and then $300,000 plus 2% of the total value that uh, we ultimately are successful in generating at the closing. 
So, um, so obviously, you're looking for larger type of transactions in order to receive that kind of commission. Correct. So our, you wouldn't be selling a, you wouldn't be selling a portfolio, you know, of five hundred thousand dollars with those types of fees. You're looking for something well under the seven figures. Correct. Okay. Um, how about how about Ari? How about your organization? We're pretty similar. Um, you know, like Doug, uh, we're a success-based organization, and we're not particularly interested in making money off of retainers. Um, you know, our retainers on the high end are thirty-five thousand. On the low end, they're five hundred dollars. Uh, our fees range between three percent and eight percent, depending on the size of the transaction. Can each of you walk me through um, one of the most dynamic domain? Uh, sales that you guys have done, you know, on behalf of uh, on, on behalf of a partner that you've been engaged with, um, you know, you both have been involved in some pretty uh, some pretty uh, unique uh, sales situations. Um, but give give us a, just a short brief um, um, history of the most famous one or the one that was the most dynamic and what you guys did, how you guys played your role to to in, you know to get the sale price in a in a position that was both acceptable to both buyer and seller. Doug, why don't you start? Sure. Um, I've alluded to the shop.com transaction. This was actually a property that was owned by um, uh, our good friends at the Internet Real Estate Group, and we were representing a company that had um, really come out of Amazon.com with a strategy of um, allowing um, e-commerce vendors to generate leads through a site that would they were looking for a brand. So we came together with the shop.com people, and the missing ingredient was they needed um, a fairly sizable chunk of capital to make the entity grow at uh, an extraordinarily rapid rate. Uh, we um, are very, very connected up and down uh, Sand Hill Road, and we had um, quite a surprising uh, auction of um, the top tier, tier one venture capitalist interest in the transaction, and ultimately got Fred Harmon of Oak Investment Partners, who's um, widely regarded as one of the, the, the foremost venture capitalists in, in the United States, uh, to step up for uh, $25 million to help the company grow, and it has subsequently tripled in its first year of operations. Wow, that's great, uh, Ari. How about uh, take us through one of your transactions, either the Click Diario or the or the Buy Domains transaction, if you can? Sure, I, I'd say Click Diario was the most interesting by far. Um, the challenges there was that they Click Diario owned a network of the best generic Spanish domain names. So they owned Women.com, Sports.com, Health.com, and several, almost thirty others within Spanish. Uh, the challenges that laid there was. Most of their traffic was coming out of Latin America, but you could see that there was huge growth in the U.S. Hispanic market. Um, and the challenge was to demonstrate to buyers that although at that point only a smaller portion of the traffic was U.S. Hispanic-based, it was growing, and that was a valuable market because the overall percentage of U.S. Hispanics as a portion of the American population is growing so dramatically. Uh, the second major challenge there was the fact that operations were split between Mexico, Argentina, Guatemala, Miami, and then within Miami there was uh, within Guatemala there was a separate duty-free zone. They had accountants in each of these separate countries, and Spanish in Guatemala is not the same Spanish that's used in Argentina. Right, so right. It, var- it varies a lot, I guess, dramatically. Um, and so, bringing together the books in a consolidated platform that was acceptable to all buyers that could be easily understood and demonstrating to buyers the potential of the U.S. Hispanic market was a challenge that was difficult but that we successfully rose and met. Now, um, the, 
the can you talk at all a little bit about the the buy domains uh, transaction and I how that played out? Actually, I can't. Okay, you can't. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, come on! You're on the air. No one's I listening. Now, I mean, before we move on to you know whether we should sell now or not, um, you guys are both in a in a in a space where you know you have to have a pretty big valuable portfolio to engage someone like yourselves. But what what do the smaller domain portfolio guys do? What are the guys that have you know tens of thousands of dollars worth of domains, or a hundred thousand dollars, or even up to seven figures? Um, what is your best recommendation for those folks that? Um, want to position their portfolio for sale, but uh, you know can't afford or it's not realistic to engage somebody that you know like yourselves. Go to moniker.com. Yeah, there you go. That's the right answer. I didn't even I didn't even get you guys. I didn't even ask you to plug us that way. <laughs> well, we can do we can help do the big deals too. But uh, yeah, so um, so engage with uh, I guess with one of the brokers that are already online and successful doing those types of transactions. I think one of the values that you, um, Monty, and your company have been able to provide is uh, a certain amount of anonymity uh, to both buyers and sellers, and I think that's a you know, valuable service uh, in the marketplace. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Uh, Ari, do you feel the same way? Yes. Um, you know, for smaller portfolio owners, follow the same steps that Doug and I have outlined. Um, you know, at all levels, make sure you've engaged a competent accountant, understand what you have, and what I would say is slowly, um, you know, put groups, you know, of tens or a few hundred portfolios up for sale, of domains up for sale, see what the reaction is in the market, and judge for yourself what the response is and whether it, you know, meets or exceeds what you're making uh, on PPC income. Great. Now, Doug, is there a bubble right now? Where, where are we in the market, you know, compared to where we were back in 2000? I mean, what what's changed? What's your guys' position on... Um, the strength of the marketplace and uh, and where is it going? I think if you look back over um, the emergence of this market, it is the valuations in the marketplace overall are most directly correlated to the amount of inter- internet advertising spending, and that chart has started to accelerate since it hit its um, bottom in 2002, and has gone up pretty much straight as people have recognized the value of uh, internet advertising. I don't see that market topping off in, in, in the future. I think it's going um, up. It, the real risk uh, from a bubble standpoint is will there be a game-changing event in the marketplace that um, really starts to erode the PPC income? And those risks are, will Google and Yahoo somehow figure out a way to cut their revenue share agreements, and you know, will MSN come in the marketplace as a viable third party to cut agreements with that wouldn't you know, forestall that? Um, there is a theory that people who are using direct navigation are Internet newbies who don't understand that the search engine perhaps directly can give them a better result than them simply typing into the URL bar. Uh, and as people mature in their usage of the Internet, they will no longer use direct navigation as, or, or use it increasingly less as a, um, uh, as a tool, and you'll see a declining market. I don't know how you measure that theory, and um, you know, that remains to be, be seen. Um, and, and Ari, are we, uh, you know, should people be selling now, or should they be holding, or... You know, based off of of what uh, Doug said, are we uh, are we in a seller's market, a buyer's market, a combination of both? I would say we're in a combination of both. Um, you know, I've heard the same you know 
worries that somehow the major players would you know, create a technology that would cut out direct navigation. And I think, like Doug, I don't believe it. Um, also, those theories don't you know, seem to forget the fact that the technology around direct navigation is constantly changing. And there are a lot of companies that people can work with to help them optimize their direct navigation names. And you know, the overall traffic may go down, but the returns may go up with better technologies. So I'm not writing off direct navigation at all. I think what owners need to be wary of is that while the industry overall is rising, certain categories are rising much faster than others. Um, the recent report showing you know, the extreme amount of online um, advertising in the automobile sector. Uh, and these are categories which will go up in value and may not be domains that you would want to sell as quickly as other sectors, um, mm -hmm. which may not be going up as fast. And, and why, is, why, is it, why, is it autos, why is the autos category jumping ahead of others, in your opinion? Uh, there, I forget the name of the exact study done, but a consulting company was able to show one of the big three automakers that if they just increased their Internet spending by 1%, they could increase the number of cars sold by about 8%. Wow. Uh, the company tested it. It proved correct, and there has been a surge in Internet automobile-related advertising. Wow. Wow. That's and great. auto companies, obviously, are, are feeling a lot of pain right now. Um, as, as a group, and so they're willing to try new things, which has not historically been the case. The, the other category would be mortgages, where you know, with the rising interest rate cycle, you, there's going to be some ad spending to kind of fill the pipeline. But at some point, uh, that marketplace may see a cyclical downturn, and you'll see a cyclical downturn in ad spending. Right, right. Yeah, it's 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 uh, that's ironic because uh, I, I I know both of you know we were involved in the autos dot com sale back in 1999 and sold the domain name for 2.2 million dollars and it was a it was a rebranding idea for um, Cars Direct to change their name and you know rebrand themselves as autos dot com. The the good part of that domain name is that it got you know between 4,000 and 17,000 unique visitors a day at that time. Um, However, it was very difficult to transact a, you know, to do a transaction online and buy a car back then. And um, you know, they actually, uh, you know, they actually went back and forth on what they should be doing with the domain name. And of course, the the bust hit, and um, you know, Ideal Lab in general got hit pretty hard. Um, Cars Direct stayed focused. They were going to put the name back up for sale when they were feeling the pain, but actually held on to it. And ironically, it's used as a double. Um, site. Not a lot of people don't know this, but it's used as a as a competitive site within their own network to test online marketing campaigns. And they have a a team dedicated to Autos.com and a team dedicated to Cars Direct, and uh, they break out and and continuously improve their online strategies, and then and then use the strategies that win on both on either site and then apply it to the other sites, and then go back and compete again. So it's a pretty unique approach to you know for a very expensive domain name at the time, and it appears to be paying off for them. One thing, Monty, that um, would suggest that now is a good time to sell is that there is a, an enormous amount of capital flowing into this sector from a number of arenas. You have public companies forming and raising a lot of capital. You have the private equity marketplace showing up at the traffic conference and elsewhere looking for these kind of transactions. And there's an expression in our industry that is that when, when the hors d'oeuvres are being passed around, you better take some because uh, they may not be passed around again. Right, right. So, so some some of the philosophy is, hey, you know, when the when the money's thrown out at the table, you know, jump a little bit, or you know, some say, 
you know, hey, I'm still holding. There's this big debate within our community whether people should be holding because the market keeps going up and up and up. If everybody held on to their land or their real estate or their property and never sold, uh, we'd never have the real estate market that we do today. So my personal opinion is, is that people need to sell um, and need to do transactions in order to feed an early emerging market like this so that it invites even more and more investors and more and more transactions to occur, and it looks like a stable economy. If it's disparate and not, um, you know, transactions are few and far between, it's still a risky place to do business. And so I just wanted to get your opinion on that, if you agree with that or not, because um, as, an, as, a, as an investor of millions of dollars um, uh, into the marketplace yourselves, um, you, have to, you have to wonder, you know, how you get some of the big boys in and whether they should be coming in now, and do they come in after it's matured a little bit, or is it still too early or too late? You know, what's, what's your guys' take on that? Well, when I see someone like the guy, the entrepreneur behind Name Development Cell, that's a real bell cow in the marketplace for me. He's one of the savviest domain name owners in the industry, and uh, you know the fact that he chose to sell indicates something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a little different perspective um, in that. You know, I take the philosophy that everyone should take a nickel off the table. And if you have an opportunity to recognize some profit and you see a lot of other people doing it, you should do it. Um, But where I'm more cautious about is the, A, there's a lot of capital coming into the market because people have made strong returns. And a wise man once told me, wherever you can make a lot of money, there's a lot of sketchy characters. And I would hope that people that are selling without the advice of a qualified advisor can recognize that they may be getting offered high valuations that are contingent upon many factors. It may be stock in you know, a bulletin board exchange company that doesn't trade very much. It might be phantom stock. And what I would caution is that if you're getting a strong valuation and it's in cash, then if you have worries about selling, maybe sell half your portfolio. It's risky not to diversify. But if it's not really something tangible, then you know don't worry about missing a bubble. The money that you're making in PPC income will always be there. Versus taking a risk in someone else's venture, you know, could take you nowhere. Now let's talk a little bit about the, the development side of this. Um, um, you know, there's a there's a good mix strategy of this uh, of this situation. You know, a lot of people are just hanging on to a bunch of PPC type in names, but on the other hand, a lot of these names are good development opportunities. What roles do you guys play in helping the domainer get developed and really increase the value of the brand uh, on individual domain names and then therefore you know really reaping the rewards in in the future and how can one hang on to a piece of that action um, in a transaction like that you know what what percentage can they hold on to if they've been in part of developing a famous brand and identity on the web uh, being a dot com name or dot net or whatever it is? And still hang on and, and, and get a little piece of the action of what the large organization is going to do with it in the future. Doug, why don't you, uh, sure. why don't you go first? Um, yeah, I think each, each name is unique. So it has to be evaluated uh, as its own business plan and against its own business opportunity. And I think the guys at Internet Real Estate Group have laid out at the various traffic conferences um, their approach, and it's pretty methodical, and it's being copied by others, and that is to look at an industry set of strategic players and see if there's a role that you can partner with them in transforming the business model. Uh, and those players will take your call. They'll 
they'll meet with you, and then it's a matter of uh, are you part of the management team going forward, or are you simply a domain name owner who wants to sell and move on? If you're a domain name owner that wants to sell and move on and keep a residual interest, that that's easy enough to structure, um, but owning uh, a minority percentage in a private company isn't always the greatest place to be uh, as an equity owner. Um, owning cash, you can take that to the bank. Right, right. Ari? Um you know what we're gonna there's I guess two sorts of development deals uh, that we see in the market. Uh, one are simply people that are you know for example doing online to offline businesses, so a pure retail play where they simply want to acquire the domain name for the traffic. An example that we do not work on, but might be for example fish.com, which is supposed to become a large portal for pet supplies in the fish space. Uh, in that case, you know if a domain owner that had a similar domain in a similar situation, uh, we would counsel them to take a closer look at who wants to use the domain name uh, and structure a deal where the domain owner would hold on to the domain name until such time as a certain amount of revenue was generated um, and there was an earnout formula at which point ownership of the domain was passed. And if the development partner was not able to reach goals that they had said, said they could or lacked the resources to get that last mile, the domain would remain with the domain owner. Um, at the higher end of the market, and I think this is more what Doug was speaking about, when you have you know, new technologies that are completely transforming the market. So, for example, you know, a new form or new way to sell insurance online as opposed to offline right. um, that has a significant investment in technology behind it, um, it's unrealistic to expect uh, anything more than a small portion of that company just for the branding value of the domain name. And as I point out, yes, owning illiquid stock in a private venture has many downsides, and it's a risky plane. You're probably better off taking a large portion, if not all of that money in cash, rather than illiquid stock. Right, right. Now, um, um do you guys, I mean, are you guys actively investing in development strategies um, with current domain owners, kind of like a refinance type um, or uh, deal so that people can use um, use your capital and develop an idea? Are you in favor of those types of transactions, or are you only in favor if you bring in the management team um, uh, that you know are successful in trying to make those deals work? We're... Um so we're somewhere between the two. We're looking at um, four domain names uh, that are single word generics. Uh, one has an underlying business model uh, in it already, and uh, we're looking to raise additional capital for that one to take it to the next level. Uh, three others, we're talking to some VCs about um, bringing in management teams and, and creating the business models um, and the strategies around, around the names. Ari, what's your what's your take on that? In our situations, um, we actually typically do three-party deals in which we have the party that owns the domain name, we have the management team or technology team uh, that wants to build and run the underlying business, and then we work with a third partner in different, in different parts of the world where we don't just rely on direct navigation, but if you're building a business from the ground up, you need a team that can really do more than just direct navigation to build this online brand and a group that can manage, you know, convert offline traditional media buys and measure how that will react to online page views 
uh, groups that will buy traffic on a CPM basis and see how it converts back to their site. And we tend to bring all three parties to the table and sort of serve as the conduit that makes sure that all three parties get along. Great, great. Well, before we end the show, um, I will, uh, you know, again, we're all focused on um, you know things that can make us successful. Why don't each of you take us through maybe the top three or four things that that people should do to be successful with their portfolios and position them properly um, for sale? Um, maybe maybe one of you can give me a perspective on on the top three or four things that maybe we haven't covered that that one should do to to uh, position their property for sale, and the other side um, help me with what you should be looking for to strategically buy a portfolio uh, that is for sale and, uh, you know, get the best transaction deal done on that side. Doug, because you do, I think you you guys do both sides, is that correct? No, we're strictly sales side. No, you're strictly sales side. So take us through the sales side, and then Ari, if you could take us through the buy side, um, that would be great. Uh, number one is make sure your corporate hygiene is uh, clean. Make sure that uh, your paperwork is documented on your uh, traffic, as Ari mentioned, make sure you know the acquisition date and amounts of uh, each domain name that you've bought, and make sure that uh, the information that you pull together is accurate and complete. Uh, pull together a, uh, a as much of that as you can and make it look as professional as you can in presenting your company. Uh, you only get one chance to make a first impression, and uh, that uh, it goes away the second you um, present lousy materials. Um, secondly, is um, hire strong professional team to support you from an accounting and a legal standpoint, and if appropriate, in a bank error or um, moniker-like uh, company to assist you if if you need that sort of help. And thirdly, is make sure you canvas uh, all the logical uh, buyers, get to the marketplace, and try to clear the marketplace as effectively as possible. Is there a particular, what's a good strategy to get to the buyer's market? I mean, obviously, if you work through somebody like Moniker or yourselves, you have a handful of, you know, you have a, you have a reach out to the buyers, but is there anything unique that people can do to, to get to the buyer's market or make sure that they get the word out without, without looking like they're desperate to sell? You know, I don't think uh, anybody in this marketplace is desperate to sell, uh, and that's a, a substantial advantage, uh, and that, you, know, you don't have to sell and position yourself as not having to sell. Um, is always valuable in these processes. Um, I think um, you know going to folks who have relationships with the private equity community that is interested in this category, with the strategic buyers that are interested in this category, uh, and having some sort of global reach and ability to get to um, foreign buyers if that's appropriate, and the uh, potential strategic buyers in the case of a branded situation is, is important. Ari, take us through the, the purchase side now. Sure. Um, the one thing, though, I wanted to add uh, for Doug, though, is um, if you have certain strategic categories, uh, a very good strategy to get to those buyers is to find out who is the loser in that category and explain to them why you can make their lives better. So a specific instance might be to look at the travel company that has had the worst results on the street of the three, and if you owned a portfolio of direct navigation names within the travel space, it's an opportune time to make your case why they should acquire you at a valuation above market. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so I always look for the losers and try to put a smile on their face. Uh, when buying a portfolio, most of what Doug says applies. Uh, one, you want to make sure you know exactly what you're buying. And more importantly, you want to know, as we say, who's who in the zoo, or specifically, we want to make sure that these people really own these domain names. 
So for the same reasons, you know, a seller needs to make sure when he acquired these domains name for tax reasons, a buyer wants to know when these were acquired to make sure that these were legitimate uh, transactions. Uh, the second thing, the buyer, you know, for the same reason why a seller needs to keep track of his traffic uh, very precisely, which categories are doing well, which categories are converting, um, as a buyer, you really want to know, you know, where is he really making his money? And you want to, you know, you might have a portfolio of 10,000 names, uh, which sound great, but it may be that, you know, only 10% of those names are generating 90% of the traffic, and it's from, you know, mistaken typos that are borderline copyright issues. So you want to make sure you know who owns what, where is the traffic coming from, and finally you really want to make sure that you're buying for the right reasons um, and that you're not a copycat buyer simply trying to get into this space because you know, you've heard it's a good place to make money, but you really want to have some strategic expertise and be able to understand how you could maximize value down the road and increase the revenue. As, growth, there's no return. As a as a potential buyer, um, you know, let's say, well, I think that I think that Marchex used a a very unique strategy. Um, maybe it wasn't so unique. I mean, it was it was a simple, stupid strategy because they had the funds to do it. But they threw a pretty large casting net, you know, over the industry uh, and and got a pretty you know some good fish in that net. If I can use the analogy to that, because they had the resources behind them. Um, how many of those types of deals do you see? that will be going on um, you know in the future since there's since there's a lot of people interested in getting into the market um, it's much harder obviously to pick off the individual domain names than than it may be to to you know acquire a sweet portfolio and i mean do we do we see do you guys feel that there's going to be these types of transactions happening again and again where someone's going to take a, a big chunk of money throw a big casting net get a nice portfolio get a head start in you know in traffic um, you know i can see possibly a you know, Microsoft or someone like a Microsoft doing something like that to get a head start on direct navigation um, by acquiring a very large portfolio, um, you know, so that they automatically come up to speed in the marketplace. Uh, do you think that's a good strategy, a bad strategy, given the market? I think there are um, perhaps 10 companies that have the financial wherewithal to um, do that in the marketplace that aren't currently in the marketplace. And that, you know, that is... You know, Marchex, Overseas, Vendari, Dark Blue Sea, Buy Domains, Names Administration, you know, the, uh, you know, the Sato. There's a, there's a list of folks that have some capital behind them that could go ahead and do that. Whether we'll see new entrants like Google or or Microsoft behind this category, I don't think so. I think that's I think that's far off in the distance. Ari, uh, I, I agree that I do not think we'll see uh, Google or Microsoft or Yahoo come into this space. I don't think they would want to compete with their, you know, a strong source of revenue for them. Uh, I also think that barring an understanding of the market and critical technologies superior to what exists in the market, I don't think we'll see that many large portfolio deals above the valuations that we've seen in the past. Uh, people that have large pools of capital um, usually have it because they're intelligent enough to know that above a certain price, not a good purchase. Um, and the only way they would justify large purchases at higher valuations than we've seen is if the they themselves owned a technology which would create returns in the PPC space greater than what we've already seen. Mm -hmm. That's a good perspective. 
Um, are you familiar with this with the um, the the name change and kind of the relaunch of the Ask property, which was AskG's now it's Ask.com. Yes. Give just give me your perspective because I, I had the pleasure of uh, being at the uh, at the uh, keynote address that was uh, actually podcasted here on uh, Webmaster Radio, um, where Barry Diller. Uh, you know, really, really put his hand down and said, you know, we, we, we put a lot of money into this space. We think we're going to be competitive. We're going to be an alternative uh, search engine, um, and we're making a big play at it. What, do you think that people can really come in and compete with Google and Yahoo in this space? And what, what, what are some of the big search engines need to do to be able to do that? Uh, Doug, would you like me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, the way you can be competitive with the Googles and the Yahoos of the world is if you own special interest portals um, that will attract repeat visitors. Um, you know, if the first screen that your computer goes to is your local newspaper, um, where you get all your local news and that's the first thing you look at in the morning, then the entity that has a search box in that on that page will be able to take market share away from the Googles and the Yahoos of the world unless, of course, they're already on that page. You agree with that, uh, Doug? I think Barry Diller has his work cut out for him. And, uh, you know, this is this changing from SGs, dropping the butler was a nice way to get some publicity. Uh, but from a valuation standpoint, he's trading at a fraction of what uh, Yahoo and Google are trading at, and there's a reason for that. He's really got an uphill battle to make himself a viable uh, third search engine where it's a, a more than an oligopolistic marketplace. Before we leave, you both give me like the two companies you each think are the companies to watch uh, this year or the remainder of the year. The whether it's in the search space, the domain space, whatever. Uh, which companies do you guys have your eyes on, and uh, who you guys will think make a big impact in the industry uh, in general that ultimately affect your um, you know your positions in the marketplace? Doug, why don't you go first? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um... You know, Doug, we could just do categories, and this way we avoid naming individuals. <laughs> well, certainly video search is something that I've been exploring. There hasn't been a breakout company in the category. And then, um, Did you actually, say video search? The, the pay-per-call marketplace where Ingenio is the leader, uh, I think, will emerge as a real marketplace in this upcoming year, if I were to name one company. Okay. Ari? Uh, within the direct navigation space, I would looking very closely at companies that bring technologies that make it easier for portfolio owners to add a greater level of development to their individual portfolio names uh -huh. uh, and newer technologies that maximize their search engine results. So I would look for more interaction between direct nav and SEO. you have any specific companies in mind that, uh, that are kind of leading the charge or might be coming into play this year? Uh, you know, I like what Traffics has done with some of their websites, um, but overall, I'd say there are more tools out there that haven't quite come into play yet. But I see. But I would be looking as a portfolio owner to add to my portfolio. Great. Well, guys, I really appreciate um, both of your time. Uh, I think it was a great show. Um, it was interesting to get both of your perspective. You both have very successful uh, track records in our space, and uh, it's nice to see companies like yourselves uh, really coming into the domain market and attending uh, the shows and meeting the domainers and the people that basically uh, are keeping the foundation together. Um, I feel that we all have a role to play um, in this early stage of our, you know, and I still call it an early stage, even though we've been doing it, lots of us, for about 10, 10 years. 
Um, but I think it's important that we uh, that that the foundation companies um, you know stay strong and we all work together to keep the foundation strong, so that companies like yourselves will come into the space and invest more and more money. And so I really appreciate your time tonight. I uh, hope you don't mind, but I posted each of your emails in the, in the chat room so that if people have any questions or follow-up stuff, they can get in touch with you. Is there any other, um, you know, ways that you would like people to, you know, check out your company or check out um, or, or ask you questions other than your email? Well, that's fine for me. Okay, fine. The email's terrific, and if they want to pick up the phone, they can call me also. Okay, great. And I'll, uh, I'll post that information uh, when asked in the chat room. So uh, with that, uh, I really want to thank you guys and uh, look forward to seeing you at the upcoming uh, domain events, uh, both traffic and if you're attending the domain roundtable, that'd be great as well. Uh, both are great events and uh, really helping folks uh, um, get to meet the companies and the other domainers that they work with. Um, are e- either of you going to AdTech? We'll be there. Okay. We'll be at AdTech San Francisco. Okay, yeah, so we'll be there as well. So with that, um, I'll let you guys go, and I'll uh, just wrap things up. Thanks a lot, Doug and, uh, and Ari, for, uh, for being my guests on Domain Masters this week. Thank, Thank you, you. Okay, great. Well, that wraps up uh, a great show uh, around the banking and financing aspects of our industry. Uh, both Doug and Ari, uh, again, uh, I heard uh, speak at traffic. I suggest that if any of you are listening that you uh, – definitely pick up this archive for sure so you can pick up the points in case you missed any of the show uh, we'll have the archives on moniker.com and also on webmasterradio.fm in a few days um, and also if you have a chance to going to uh, domain roundtable uh, and or the traffic event in las vegas um, please go sign up register you're going to get to hear these guys meet them and meet others like them uh, who are investing into the into the space helping people buy and sell their portfolios it's very valuable uh, to get to know these guys and get points out of them every time that you can um, that you can meet face to face and mix uh, mix together and have a few drinks with uh, with the folks in our industry it's always good uh, uh, to look everybody in the eye and, and know who you're doing business with so with that I will uh, sign off for this week's show. Uh, be online next week, same time, same place, on Domain Masters. Be the master of your domain. I'll see you next week. Take care. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.